Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear QA Live, number 150. 150. That sounds crazy to say. Uh, 150 episodes. So, uh, well, we know what everybody was probably doing last week. Uh, so we will uh, just get right to the couple quick announcements. The most important thing uh, to let you guys know is that if you're watching this live and you want to ask a question, please put the question mark at the beginning of the uh, question. That way you know it's for me. And uh, if you're new to this uh, show and you're clicking in right now, I index the show after it's uh, over and all the things we talk about will be quick reference. Uh, you can click right to them if you go in the description. Also, it's a live podcast or it's a podcast and you can uh, check it out on iTunes. I'll make sure I put a link when it replays to that as well. So there you go. That's our pretty much our our big announcements, the normal, I guess, weekly announcements, I should say. And uh, while everybody's uh, hopping on and checking things out, um, let's see what else. Anything else? Um, oh, something, something that's not important. So I thought I'd let you guys know. Um, you guys, uh, I noticed on the shirt sales the last week or so, they've been pretty consistent. And that was really shocking to me. So what I wanted to do is I normally, if you guys noticed in the past on these live shows, I've done a sale on the shirts and stuff. What I'm going to do is permanently set the prices down on the merch. Uh, so so just so you guys know, it's not any... Uh, I'm probably going to keep it that way, uh, obviously, because it's going to be a little bit weird times for the next few months. Um, uh, pretty much, I'm not going to say to the end of the year, but pretty much from now on, the, the shirt prices, uh, the merch, you'll see a, a significant drop in the merch pricing. Uh, just to, to do that, if you're a Patreon, you get a discount for that. I'm just letting the patrons that are watching right now know that still applies to you. That's just on top of what you're already seeing. So there you go. I just thought I'd let that know. Everybody let everybody know that. So you have that information. All right. Um, let's see. What else? Okay. Uh, all right. I uh, got questions, but we have to start with a uh, my first. I'm going to start the subject today, uh, believe it or not. The first thing I want to talk about is if you guys didn't see, Line 6 did a safety recall. And I know this is a big deal for a lot of you guys. I'm going to go ahead and uh, share that with you real quick. Let me go to it. Hold on. Give me one quick second. So uh, I'll put a link. I already have a link. So there's a link down below if you have this product. It's the uh, Line 6 G10, G10, G10S, and G10T uh, wireless units. They are uh, basically causing fires. So let me give you some of the official information. Um, the Consumer Product Safety Commission has notified or is notifying people that the lithium battery can overheat uh, and the battery cover can separate with force. Um, and basically, it could cause uh, fire or injury uh, hazards. Um, the commission advises immediately stopping using of the, uh, the uh, product. Uh, and any products, this is all uh, recall for products. These uh, G10, G10S, G10Ts, all made from 2016 to December 2019. You can contact Yamaha to get a free G10 repair and a refund on the uh, charging cable, because apparently the charging cable is also dangerous. Don't use that as well. Uh, and I put a link so you can go right to that website. Um, it almost looks like a firmware update is something they have to do um, on the unit. I probably need to run the battery cooler, run it not so hard. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't have that unit. Um, but what I thought was interesting about that was, let me go back to my main screen. 
There we go. There's me. Uh, basically, uh, what I noticed was it was on Guitar World. It was on their main page. And then now it's not on the main page. It was only on there for a day or so. And I thought uh, a lot of you, I know a lot of you have that unit. And um, I thought I'd get that information out there, especially since I'm sure a lot of you are playing guitar at home right now. And, uh, you know, <laughs> putting even more hours in use on that unit, which is even more dangerous. So, um, like I said, so that's the safety recall. I thought I would talk about that since that was mine. That was my subject. Um, let's go ahead, as I normally do. Let me open this up and start with. Hold on. Give me a quick second here. I uh, screen captured some of the first questions of the day. So let me go ahead and share with you some of these. Okay, hold on. Oops, that's not what I want. That's what I want. Let's go ahead, screen share. Oh, it's a process. Okay, here we go. This was one of the first questions. I actually I actually uh, grabbed, I, I screen uh, grabbed uh, two or three of these. So let's start with Adrian. Adrian's first question of the day was, hey, Phil, can, you, can I choose which coil of the four-wire humbucker is selected when wiring a push-pull pot? I want to have the inside coil of the bridge humbucker. Absolutely, uh, you can. In fact, you have a bunch of options, uh, so you know. Now, here's what you can do. First of all, you can pick the north or the south uh, coil of the humbucker to be split. So the inner coil or the outer coil. Um, that is a very easy thing to do. You can look that up. It's just swapping basically two wires. So one wire you would use, you're gonna go ahead and use the other wire. Um, and that's a pretty straightforward thing. But if not, uh, maybe that's a cool video I could do. But the, the other option you have too, is you could also, uh, instead of using a push-pull pot or a uh, regular on-on uh, switch, you can go with an on-off-on uh, three-way switch, a little mini switch. And what that will allow you to do is actually select each coil individually. So you can have the north coil sometimes if you want that coil split for that tone. Go with the inner coil uh, if you want that one. Uh, so the outer coil, inner coil. So you get to choose. So it'll be basically inner coil, uh, both coils, or the outer coil on that switch. It's not a hard wiring job. In fact, it's actually easier in some cases than a regular switch. Or if you're not too savvy with that, let me go ahead and get out of this. Okay, there you go. If you're not too savvy with that, let me show you this thing. Let me cue it up here. Um, this is definitely something I highly recommend for those that are not super, super um, solder savvy. Um, this is the uh, Seymour Duncan triple shot. Now, don't uh, don't get confused because Seymour Duncan, you don't have to use a Seymour Duncan pickup to use this thing. It works with any humbucker pickup. You can see it's a pickup frame. And what it does is it's uh, very straightforward. You can essentially you're going to solder. Um, let me go ahead and highlight here. You'll solder your waters white to these uh, these posts right here. And then over here where I'm highlighting, you can see that you have two little switches and the switches will let you select each, like I just said, the inner coil, the outer coil, or do out of phase and in phase uh, selecting. And it's uh, 35 bucks and it takes, it's way easier than installing anything else. It's probably about one of the easiest things you can possibly install. Um, the only way they can make it even easier is if it was solderless. So those are some of your options for that. Uh, so lots of options when it comes to coil splitting. So there you go. Um, and I'm getting some super chats. But before we get to them, I want to get to, hold on a second. There was, like I said, there was two, two uh, questions that I screenshot. Let me find them real quick. Because I appreciate you guys being patient with me. 
Okay, here it is. Here's another question that I wanted to share with you as well. So let's do this. Go here. I guess I don't have to screen share them. I'm just doing it. This was, uh, I just want to highlight the people that were on early and asking questions early. Uh, so uh, Matthew's question was, do you think the new Stumac fret bar will replace the standard leveling beam because it can act as a traditional leveling beam and do understring leveling job? So if you know what he's talking about, uh, Stuart McDonald has come out with a, um, I don't want to say new product, but it's a fairly new product. I'm going to go to it so we can see. Um, what it is maybe it'll maybe not only will it uh interest some of you it might huh it might be i was gonna say so at this point in life i'm like is the internet not working now okay let's see uh i'm hoping that i can do a quick little no okay level there we'll do it that way okay and what do we got here? This is it, right? Okay, I just want a picture of it, guys. All right, here it is. Uh, let me go right to it. Why can't I kick that out? Okay, here we go. Screen share again. This is just all kinds of fun. Here we go. Share. All right, so this is it. So what he's talking about is you can see right here as I'm pointing at it, this is a leveler for your frets. You level your frets. And it's got a, a, a like a T. All right. It's like a T-bar. And so it allows you to sand or level your frets while the strings are still on there. Well, why is that important? And that's really kind of the, the reason. And that's why he's asking, do I think this is going to pretty much make the other one useless, uh, which is a standard bar? Um, the reason why you'd want to do this is a lot of times when you're leveling your frets, you want the neck uh, to have to be in the same position it's going to be when the strings are on. So you take the strings off and you have to uh, loosen the truss rod to make sure it's bone straight. There's actually a device uh, jig that you can use that will hold the neck like it has string tension on it, and then you can level. Um, but this, of course, lets that be easier. Um, I don't know if it will. Uh, so the question is basically, do I think that's going to this is going to make that obsolete? No, I think for a lot of players out there, especially uh, people that are working on guitars, doing fret work, that are not going to do it for a living or do lots of guitars. I think this is a, a fast way to not have to have the jig or worry about positioning the neck so it's a bone straight before you go ahead and do that. This will help you do that because you can leave the strings on. Um, but from my point of view, um, if I used it, it would be because I was in a hurry. Uh, like I was trying to save time, you know, maybe maybe do something and, and you know, maybe because I've already taken the guitar part a couple times and maybe at this point i'm just like because let's be honest when you're working on instruments sometimes at a frustration point you got to walk away from an instrument and maybe you're just going to kind of knock it out at the end do something like that but to be honest with you i wouldn't i would use it i just wouldn't stop using the other way i'd use as well too i think there's both both ways have merit but it's a cool tool it's an interesting idea so um that's kind of what stumac's known for is they come up with these little weird little time saver devices <laughs> you know what i mean uh, that's i mean obviously they make tools and stuff but that's really where like over the years i've been using their tools uh that's where if you notice the majority of the tools i use from sumac are all in that time saving vein because i want to i want to basically get a job done as easily as fast as possible um time is money so to speak all right let's go to some of the other questions uh what do we got here we go what do you guys want to talk about randy crooks randy crooks wants to say hey phil uh, you have mentioned in the past that you were thinking about getting an Epiphone hollow body guitar. I recently picked up a Emperor Swingster, um, and I'm loving it. 
So thought this one may help. That's uh, really cool. I'm still in the in that vein market. I want a uh, a hollow body guitar, and I want a. I just don't want a crazy expensive hollow body guitar. Um, you know, I in the past, I in fact, if you watch the channel for any length of time, at some point on the channel, I've had one or two expensive hollow body guitars. Um, and I've always got rid of them. It's because I don't give them a lot of love. They don't get a whole lot of time played. It's really an instrument that I don't record with. I don't use a whole lot. I don't need it for demoing anything. And so, yeah, I want a more affordable one so I can feel like, you know, having it around isn't a waste of, you know, my, my, my financial resources. Um, so that's what I was looking at. I'm still looking at uh, Epiphones. I'm about to do an Epiphone review I'm pretty excited about. Uh, you guys will see that pretty soon. And uh, but it's not a hollow body. But yeah, that's really cool that you got one. I will check that out. The Emperor Swingster. I'll put it I'll index and I'll link it. A link to uh, to Sweetwater, whoever carries it in stock, and and uh, check that out. Uh, Dave Alexander just did a super chat for no reason. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that uh, immensely, especially you know during these times. It's going to be an interesting time for anyone in the marketing entertainment business. It's going to be interesting. Um, Let's see. BJT says best stand hangers for nitro cellulose finishes. Uh, he said nitro guitars, but I know what he means. Um, I use my string swings. Uh, so, you know, behind me right now. So, you know, not uh, my whoop. This Paul Reed Smith Mira is a core Mira. It is a lacquer uh, guitar. It's a nitro cellulose lacquer finished guitar. And as you can see, not only is it on the headstock, it's uh, the, the stand is holding the, the body. I put my Les Pauls on the string swings as well. Uh, string swing will not uh, state that it is safe for nitrocellulose lacquer finishes. I've talked to string swing about this. I understand their position. Their position, of course, as a company is, hey, they uh, don't want to state anything that, uh, you know, they can't prove 100%. They don't do it. They've never done any kind of official testing. Um, so all I can tell you is I'm not going to tell you what his, uh, hangers are safe for nitrocellulose lacquer. Um, what I can tell you is two things. People, a lot of times, uh, players will put a cloth, 100% cotton, 100% flannel uh, uh, cloth around the hangers, whether they're hanging up in the stores or hangers, you know, wall hangers or guitar stands, and they'll put the lacquer bodies on that. That uh, is going to relieve the guitar from getting any lacquer burns. Um, and I will not st state that it is safe for lacquer, but what I will tell you is I have been using string swing and only string swing uh, for and I mean only no exceptions. Uh, every guitar is hanging on a string swing. In fact, in fact, if you notice, uh, even my uh, my zither stands are string swing holders. Now the uh, stand behind me right here, this one right here, is a string swing as well. So that's made by string swing. And then the other ones I use are the Fender ones, and this is a all cloth uh, a guitar rack. So the guitar racks I use are cloth or string swing. So uh, basically what I'm telling you before, wrap it in cloth or use string swing. So what I'm telling you is not that these are these things are safe for lacquer. What I'm saying is, is I have lacquer guitars in them. I've been putting lacquer guitars in them for 20 years and I have not a single lacquer burn on any of my instruments. Although I will tell you one thing that is for sure is my guitars do not sit in stands or hangers for long periods of time. Long periods of time being weeks. Uh, sure, a guitar can sit on a, a rack or in a stand for a week, right? It's possible. Um, uh, but basically, if I'm not using a guitar in a regular basis, it goes in a case. And if it stays too long in the case, that's why some of the guitars sometimes leave my my collection. I actually try to put my hands on as many instruments as possible um, uh, 
for legitimately reasons. That's why a lot of my guitars are tuned different ways. They have different kinds of strings. I mean, I'm trying to have a purpose for a lot of these guitars. A few of them, and I've said this before, my gym uh, right here, a few of them like this, that is literally a collection piece. I don't play that gym. I just, when I was, you know, when I was younger, I wanted a Steve I gym and that's what I have. I got one. Uh, it was something I just wanted um, to get. And I finally got my hands on one through a trade. Um, but what I'm saying is, is um, I use those things. That's what I'm trying to say. Sorry. I just wanted to let you know, I wanted you to give you, I wanted you to understand firmly that I trust them, but I cannot tell you uh, that they, any of these companies state that those things are, are right for your nitrous lacquer. Let's go back to the main page. I know you guys super chatted. I'm not losing any super chats uh, at all. I just want to make sure that if there's some questions out there, or subjects to talk about. Um, Chris says, Phil, the best way to remove guitar knobs if you don't have that fork tool you love. Yes, the ESP tool. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, the easiest way to probably to do it is you could use a string, right? Uh, so a twine. I would use any kind of cloth string. Don't use like a metal wire string, right? Not that I don't think is metal wire called a string, but you understand what I'm saying. Use a cloth uh, string. You can then, um, uh, I wish I had something. Anything for illustration purposes, anything. Maybe this will work. Yep, I got a cable right here. So basically what you do is loop the string like so, so like this, and you would go under, like a, almost like a hang noose, okay? Go under the side of one of the knobs and you can pull up on the knob, turn the knob, pull up on the knob. Um, sometimes you can put the string around it and like kind of bow tie it around the, uh, the uh, knob and pull up and uh, that'll work. That'll work fine without chipping most, uh, 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 knobs of course i say most because again i can't i can't wow i cannot tell you for sure <laughs> and i'm definitely not going to try to say unequivocally but anyways i cannot tell you for sure that'll work but i that's what i used before i had that and it works fine there's a couple of tricks out there but i've always used a string and it's always been fine so um what else do we got that was a great question thank you Hold on a second. Addicted to Gear says, okay, so we're going back to talking about the Stumac uh, 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 leveler that goes in the strings. He says, how would you crown the frets? You would then take the strings off. But again, it's not about, uh, so you understand, the, the, um, this, is a, this is a tool designed so that you don't need the other tool or go through the time and process to make sure the neck is dead straight. Um, when I crown and level a guitar, I have a, uh, maybe I didn't need to do a shop tour of my, of the tools I have in my shop. Um, uh, I have a, a, a cradle for the neck, not like one of the ones you're used to where it's like, it just holds one. It's like a whole neck length cradle. And so I, and I have an adjuster on it and it goes up and it literally, I put the entire neck into this wooden cradle that has cork in it. And then, um, and then I relieve the truss rod and then I make sure the neck's bone straight. There's a, there's a thing that Stu Max sells that pushes, pushes pressure on the neck. Um, I believe I have that. I just don't think I've used it. Um, there's some tools, like I, I have a bunch of tools that I bought early on, probably about 10 years ago from Stu Mac that um, I got. And then what happens is, is like everybody, the tools are great, but I learned that the way I used to do it or the way I've kind of figured out how to do it for myself kind of just, you know, works for me. That way works for me. But 
it depends on the guitar too because not all guitars allow you to have every situation work the same way but yeah yeah so to answer your question addicted to gear yes you would have to remove the strings to crown crown them um uh you could try to do it on the strings and lift them using but i wouldn't just don't <laughs> Uh, you know what it is? That's another thing, too, about this under the string thing. It, again, it makes sense as a tool. I like it. But I also keep in mind, I try not to do is, you know, I said I like shortcuts, but I try not to do too many because, again, sometimes when you're doing shortcuts, you've damaged things. And I don't ever want to damage anything. Uh, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me go back. Um all right. I do enjoy some of you guys' banter back and forth. I wish sometimes I should just read that. Uh, it'll probably be more, more interesting. Uh, but who knows? Let's see. Let's see if uh, if Brett Weaver uh, has got the great question today. Let's see. It says, what song should we all learn during the quarantine? I'll be uh, learning on my Dane Electro. All right. Um, well, let me tell you what I was learning because uh, I've been practicing a lot this week. Um uh, let's see, because, you know, one of the things that holds me back from doing content, we talked about this. I did a video this week and believe it or not, I actually filmed the unboxing and, and the, uh, I guess, review of the guitar. I probably did it in 50 minutes. So an hour, which is no big deal. And then the problem was I edited that part and then I needed to do the demonstration playing part. And I just couldn't think of anything to play. And the, my problem, which I'm so I'll get to your question, Brad, I promise. My problem is, you know, I'm trying not to play copyrighted material on the videos so they don't get flagged or shut down. And you guys, uh, you know, with 700 videos out there, you guys have heard so many of my riffs that, you know, it becomes very tough to not just play the same thing. And no matter what, it's going to sound the same. I'm only, you know, every guitar player has only got so much in their, in their, you know, their trick bag. Um, but uh, I've been trying to learn new stuff and, and do different stuff. So um, actually this week I was learning a bunch of country stuff. Don't ask why just was, I like country. So I was learning a bunch of country licks, country songs. Actually, I should flat out say uh, Dirk Bentley songs. That's what I was uh, working on um, because deep down, I'll probably never get it right. But man, do I love the way country players bend. I just love that, that beautiful uh, ear that they, they inherently have from doing those perfect bends uh, that just hit the, you know, perfect. So that's what I was working on as Dirk, Dirk Bentley songs, just cause I like some of them and they were on, they were on Spotify and I heard them and then I go, Oh, that's a good thing. So to answer your question, what should you learn this week? Well, you know, uh, here's what I would recommend. Um, uh, try to find some new music and learn a new song. That's always fun, but also, um, try to, like I said, first try to follow my advice. I guess my own personal advice to myself was try to expand out of my range you know something i was going to do the other thing you can do that's really cool uh, that i did this week that you'll see when the video comes out the review video comes out tomorrow at three um is a scheduled video so it's coming out for sure um that video um i it's alternate tuning video so i did some alternate tunings in that video so sometimes doing some alternate tunings is a great way so learn some songs in alternate tunings that's also fun too but yes definitely you're on the right, you're on the right path, Brett. Um, and then also, hopefully, some of you guys will put out some suggestions right now uh, and later when this replays on some things that people maybe suggest to learn. Uh, Paul Faye says, Cashmere. Yeah, Cashmere for Dan Electro. Sure, of course. Surf Rock for Dan Electro, for sure. Um, excuse me. Got to stay hydrated. 
It's like people don't realize like, I've been talking for 23 minutes and 54 seconds according to the clock. So sometimes you, when you guys are watching this, I, I, I you don't realize uh, when somebody talks nonstop for 20 minutes, you just, you got to drink water. Uh, Brian says, uh, Brian says, your thoughts on the PV Viper VIP one as a, uh, a, as an all around practice amp and small gig amp, your thoughts on the Alvarez acoustic guitars. Thank you. Sure. Um, well, a couple things. So let's do them out of order, please. If that's okay with you, Alvarez acoustics, I've always been a big fan of Alvarez acoustics. Now they've had some interesting years because the company's changed hands, uh, over years, but, um, I've, my first acoustic, uh, my, my very first acoustic was an Alvarez. Um, and, uh, I loved that acoustic guitar forever. I had it forever and ever and ever. And, um, and so that kind of, that's, that cinched it for me. The store that I bought uh, my gear from when I was younger or when I was a kid and I started playing guitar, uh, was a St. Louis music dealer. So that's why I have an Alvarez scoop. Some of you guys see that. Uh, that's why I had crate amps when I was a kid. Cause it was all stuff that was owned by St. Louis music and, uh, Alvarez acoustics, of course. And so I love Alvarez acoustics. I've owned a Yuri. Um, my favorite guitar player in the, in the world, Monty Montgomery plays an Alvarez Yuri. Um, the Monty Montgomery model. <laughs> so I don't know if they currently make it. Um, but so, yeah, so that's my thoughts on Alvarez. I like them, but of course, keep in mind there was, so they're good. I, I, the, the good again, I should say good again. Uh, the last few I've played have been great. Um, the ones in the past are great, but there was a few years where they got a little weird uh, when the companies kept changing hands. Cause I remember, cause I was a dealer the, almost the entire time we would carry Alvarez. And I think for two years, I finally gave it a break. And the reason I gave it a break was again, when they were kept changing hands, it got a little strange, but they've been under good hands and uh, management since, in my opinion, uh, for guitars, very cool stuff. So my thoughts on the uh, PV Viper VIP one. Well, I'm not a huge modeling amp fan. It, you know, as you, as you guys know, uh, it's not that I don't think that they sound good. It's just, it's not something I generally will play. Uh, the, the PV Viper to me, the PV Viper, and Brian, please take no offense. I, I hope, hope. Uh, the PV Viper, the Line 6 uh, product, the Fender Mustang product, um, if I'm missing any of the modeling stuff, the Katanas are not modeling their solid state, but they're, you know, kind of modeling the solid state. Um, I think they're all good for what they are. You know what I mean? Um, I can't tell you. I've, I've never done a shootout with all the modeling amps, but uh, the PV ones I really liked. I, I played the PV Viper. I liked it uh, for modeling amps. The only thing about modeling amps that's hard for me to, to say sometimes is when somebody goes, well, how do you like this modeling amp? I don't really disseminate it differently than any other modeling amp. I go, okay. Um, it's pretty straightforward. I feel like PV, the PV Vipers, though, in my opinion, probably nail the distortions a little better than the Line 6 amps and uh, and maybe a little better than the Fender stuff. So it, maybe it is a better product in that sense, but cool stuff. It's a, you know, cool, cool modeling stuff. Um, Matt Wells says, uh, I was seconds away from buying a 61 Les Paul special until my eye caught the McCarty 594, which I bought. Have you ever had a similar experience where something, uh, instantly changed your mind about a purchase? Oh yeah, of course. Right. Um, and just like you, I've had that experience where, um, uh, now it's more of an online kind of thing for sure. But yeah, back in the, the day, would you go in a store? I, you know, I was going to get this thing and then you play something else and you go a different way for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of a, for instance on that, where I've, I've literally changed my mind, you know, and when I think of it, it's always amps that's done this for me. I've always decided like, I'm definitely getting an amp and a type of amp. And then I end up going a different way. Um, and, uh, yes, uh, I'm, I can't think of it for instance, but trust me, I I've had that experience many times over 
where I am just totally shocked that I fell in love with the thing I fell in love. Let's see if there's anything behind me that will refresh my memory of like a, I'm sorry, I'm not talking to Mike, but let me give you a second to look as we pause to look. Yes, actually think about this. I do. I see. I knew I'd have probably, for instance, right behind me. It's hard to see because I'm using blue lighting for atmospheric tone today um <laughs> i have a american professional stratocaster this is a 2019 model with a solid rosewood neck in daphne blue that guitar i bought uh i was at a, a guitar center and i was there to buy one of those parallel universe um guitars the one that was in the um i, I can't remember if it was the sunburst or if it was the the blue i think it was sunburst and it's the uh parallel universe less uh telly that looks like a les paul where it has the Les Paul control layouts and stuff, and it has the hardtail bridge like Les Paul. And uh, they were almost the same price. Uh, this ended up being just a little hair cheaper, but that wasn't a, uh, a factor in the purchase at all. And what happened was I was playing the Parallel Universe, and I was thinking about that, and then I this is what happened. I put it up on the wall, and then I go, you know, maybe I want a 61 uh, Strat reissue. And I, I've told this story before, you guys. I had them get two uh, 61 Strat reissues down. They had two up there, and I played them both, and I just did not dig them. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get the Parallel Universe. Ralph was with me, and I said, I'm going to get this Parallel Universe guitar. It's kind of crazy, right? It's fun. And then what happened was, while I was thinking, because I was processing, like, do I want to spend the money? Is it a good time? You know, all that stuff. Um what happened was uh, I picked up that Rosewood Strat, which I already had the red one, and that just blew me away. And as you guys know, I've never been a huge fan of the red one because uh, the neck's too small. And um, this one, I just it just spoke to me, so that's what I bought. And so, yeah, I've had that experience uh, probably so many times that, like I said, I could keep just keep going and find instance after instance where I'm like, I meant to do something and I did something else. Um, let's see. Uh, Stat Magic. Stat Magic did a very large super chat for no reason, man. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, you guys are always too kind, uh, and I appreciate that. I'm like kind of humbled right now for a second because, again, you guys are always all of you. Just even watching is, like I said, uh, more than I can ask for. But thank you guys so much. Uh, you guys definitely make this exciting every Friday to to get and talk to you guys and talk about gear. Um. Hold on a second. What are we going to do? Bob Crosley. I'm going to do one more super chat. I'll hop back over, guys, and see what you guys are talking about. Uh, Bob Bob Crosley. Who, uh, hey, Bob. How's it going? He says, hey, Phil. Happy Friday. I found a Gibson Les Paul with nitro finish that lived in its case for four years. The nitro turned black where the, ca where the case uh, fit right. Can this be fixed? Stay safe. Uh, this is my problem. I'm not a finish expert. Uh, you know what I mean? I've learned to repair on or work on finishes but not do finish work um so i don't know if i have the answer for you um interesting enough i wonder if either nathan knows or my buddy tim at atomic guitars would probably know uh because he does a lot of refinish work like that and they do really good work uh, tim at uh some of you guys have seen the uh, sharp my axe you guys know who tim is uh at atomic guitar works in glendale arizona um but uh i have seen what you're talking about discolored finishes caused by cases um, you're saying the nitro turned black where the case fit, uh, right. So I understand. So wherever it touched, um, I don't know if that's something that can be sanded down and then buffed or refinned. I just don't know. I wish I had an answer for you, but, uh, I'll tell you what I'll do, Bob. I will, uh, reach out to, uh, to my, to, uh, Tim and to Nathan and see if they have an answer. You never know. That's, uh, I hope they do. I can't imagine it can't be. I've seen them. I've seen people, I've seen them fix, 
uh, finishes worse than what you're describing. So it's got to be possible to some degree. Okay, what do we got going on in the main chat? There's 688 of us all commenting, uh, I assume, because <laughs> it's spinning pretty fast. Um, let's see. Uh, hold on, hold on. I'm just looking. If, like I say, if you got a question, just put put the... Uh, whoops. Hold on a second. I'm looking for the question mark first. All right, Saxy Cal. Oh, Saxy Calzone. It's good to see you again. Saxy Calzone says, "Hey Phil, what's the most excited you've been by a piece of gear? You've been by a piece of gear just to be disappointed on finally acquiring it." Um. Oh, you know that's tough, right? That's a tough one. Uh, a lot of us relate to that. You know, you get a, a super excited, and then it just, uh, uh, you know, and I, I think a lot of you are probably thinking about that time I bought the Telecaster. Um, from Sweetwater. And, uh, you know, actually that was a different kind of feeling. That was a feeling of the last couple fenders I had put my hands on new were not very good. And I was just thinking, man, this, in fact, so you guys know, uh, I haven't bought a new fender since then, uh, since that uh, ordeal I've bought used only used fenders because of that. Cause I just, I just feel like every new fender, uh, you know, is bad. And then I, I don't know if I talked about this, this is probably interesting, maybe, maybe interesting to know, um, part of the reason that telly, uh, telly video, you know, when I did the video, part of the reason you can see the disappointment in my face was I had just bought, uh, a $1,600, um, maybe it was 18, but it was a lot of money, uh, Fender, uh, deluxe Strat that I absolutely was just disappointed with. And, um, you know, and that was from a dealer and the dealer, um, didn't have a return policy, of course, but it, I didn't, I didn't even try to, to kind of get rid of it. I kind of sat on it for months trying to fall in love with it. And I didn't, I ended up buying the telly, hopefully find something else. So I think you guys can understand that's what it was like. I felt like, man, I was like two, two expensive fenders in a row that just weren't cool. So something like that kind of, uh, happens. I'm trying to think of something else. Cause you know, to be honest, it's really doing reviews as a YouTuber is where I have that m biggest experience. A company will reach out, say, Hey, you want to check out one of these? And actually, you know, it, it happens quite a bit in the gear review game where, you know, you see a bunch of video reviews, it's getting great reviews, everybody's chatting up this product, and then the company finally reaches out and says, hey, would you like to check one out? You're like, heck yeah, everybody's loving this thing. And then you get it and you go, I don't even understand how this thing works. This thing's not very good. Um, so, uh, you know, and then you don't, you don't want to review it. So I'm trying to think of good for instances in that, but it's hard to think of a good, you know, disappointment product because I don't have it laying around to to think about it. <laughs> but yes, I've had that experience before and we've all kind of felt it. It's not a very fun experience. So it's never fun when you part with your cash just to get disappointment because, you know, let's face it, we all work hard for our money and, and, uh, this stuff is, let's be honest, this is not needs. In fact, uh, you know, I always love it when somebody's like, how many guitars do you need? And I'm like, none. You need none. No guitars at all. <laughs> not one. There's no physical need for a single guitar, much less two or ten. So that's a dumb argument. Don't argue whether or not how many you should have. The argument should be, you know, this is something you're trying to do with your expendable income that you enjoy. Or maybe you're a musician by trade and maybe it is part of your career and then maybe you do need it. But, um, and even then, you know, that's an argument but the point is we all know what it feels like when you buy something because you're trying to buy something and get something 
that's going to bring more joy into your life because, you know, let's face it. Like remember last year when I had to pay uh, the insane amount of money to have my yard dug up for the plumbing. See, that's not fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've think about this. I can tell you, we've all, this is what I'm basically getting at. I'm going on a weird tangent, but stick with me because it's going to land. I promise. Basically what I'm saying is if you spend a thousand dollars on home repairs or on car repairs or, you know, on, you know, something that, that sucks, right? Something that you have to do because it's an adult type thing you have to take care of, right? Thousand bucks and you pay a thousand dollars on an instrument or something you enjoy, even though you spend the same, you have two different feelings, right? You don't have a positive or negative feeling about the thing you have to spend money on. So when the thing that's you're hoping is going to bring you some of that joy doesn't, it's, it seems a little extra dramatic to you because you're just like, um, you know, because it sucks. BC Rich 581 says the plumber had fun with the check, I bet. Yeah, well, you know, maybe they bought something they love. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you get the idea. Um, so, yes, we all kind of know. All right. So let's go back. Hold on a second. Let me flip through some of my screens, hit some comments real fast. We have uh, William Spruce says change standard tuners on my GNL S500 to locking tuners today. I had to file a one to two millimeter. Off, oh, had to file one to two millimeters off the nut threads for it to for it to fit snug the in the tune. Wait, to fit snug. Let's try this again. Hmm. Okay. So here's the question. I'm just, I'm kind of going through, you did it right. I'm just reading it weird. It says change my tuners on the GNL S 500 today to locking tuners. You had to file a one to two millimeters off the nut threads, uh, for them to fit snug. Um, so I understand what you're saying. You're literally, you're talking about the thickness. So you're saying that they were too long. The, the tuning key was, was, uh, kind of probably getting uh, sloppy because it wasn't compressing down tight. I understand that. Seems like the neck is a bit thinner than spec common experience. Um, it's not something that I've come across on uh, my, both my GNL still have the stock tuners on them, uh, which is, you know, uh, I haven't swapped them out. The, the problem is, is I could tell you since I've been doing the YouTube gig, I don't mod as many of my guitars as I used to. So usually those, cause both my GNLs do not have locking keys. So I would normally put locking keys on them. The problem is, is sometimes when I'm working on my personal guitars, you get this, I get this guilt, like, well, I could be doing video content or something else, or maybe I work on the guitars that I have to repair. You know what I mean? Those are customer guitars and stuff. So, I mean, there's always like something to do. So I haven't been doing them. So in my, so basically what I'm saying is I haven't done it to my GNLs, but uh, I never noticed that the GNLs have a thinner headstock uh, then, but I don't know. It, you just put locking keys. So I don't know which locking keys you used, but it sounds like you did it smart. You know, that's what I would do. Shave down the, 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 shave them down so that the, they can thread on and, and tight and do tight compression. But yeah, haven't had that experience, but thanks for sharing it. It's really interesting. Um, I will probably check now. My, I'm going to check the thickness of the headstocks on my GNLs and see if they're thinner than fenders. Um, so, you know, uh, if they are thinner, the probably reason is, is uh, this is a very common thing with the one piece neck instruments uh one piece neck being in you know like fenders and gnls and guitars like that where they don't use a uh, a scarf joint or they don't 
uh, are like Gibson, where even if it's a one piece, they don't carve a tilted back headstock. Um, what they're going to do is they're going to try to shave down the headstock as thin as possible to increase the downward angle angle of the string after it crosses the nut. So it would not shock me to find out that GNL is doing that. And it might be even be purposeful because, again, I've never never noticed um, uh, because, uh, like I said, the Eric Johnson Strat by Fender, its headstock is slightly thinner than most headstocks because uh, Eric uh, is his his real one that they modeled the the model the uh, the artist model of uh, was he had that headstock thinned down because of that he wanted to increase the downward angle after the nut. So um, so it's basically what I'm telling you is it's actually a good thing that they do that because it's got a downward angle in the nut. But whether or not it's common on all the GNLS 500s or if you just have one that has thinner, I don't know. But I'll check. I'll check. Maybe we can talk about it on next Friday. Uh, Adrian Sylvester just said, cheers, Phil. Cheers, Adrian. Thank you. David uh, says, how much TP have you stocked up? Um, so I haven't stocked up any. In fact, we what happened with us was my wife shops at Costco and she buys one pack. I'm just telling you what she said. I don't know why we're going to talk about this, but I'm just telling you guys what she said. She, uh, cause I asked her when this all started before that you even started getting a little crazy. I said, do we have what we need? Do we need? And she says, yeah, I buy, I buy toilet paper at Costco and she buys a pack and it lasts as she says about a month. So she says, um, so I bought a pack like a week ago, so we should have three weeks of, of toilet paper. So that was a week ago. So I have two weeks of toilet paper. So the question to the answer, to your question is, I have no idea how much toilet paper I have other than I just have what my wife said, which apparently I have two weeks of toilet paper. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, what I will tell you is in this crazy world, um, that it exists, um, is that, uh, things I know again, from my wife explained to me, we're low on paper towels, which is my understanding, but more importantly, she traded, this is no exaggeration. Cause I watched it happen yesterday. She traded with a friend yesterday, a bottle of, she traded, uh, uh, tissue paper, not tissue paper, tissues, boxes of tissues. She traded a, a box of tissues for a bottle of bleach. A friend of ours, uh, he's got a pool company, he has bleach. My wife apparently was out of bleach. Uh, and so they traded and I, I came out and I was, uh, you know, came out to the garage and they were, they were exchanging and stuff. And I, I was like, wow, this is crazy, right? They were literally trading uh, resources. Uh, so yeah, that was a real thing. It was a real moment. I think I don't think I'll think I'll forget. It was literally that moment where, you know, they were trading resources to, uh, to uh, nose tissues uh, for bleach. There you go. All right. Uh, BJT says best way, uh, best way and product to treat rosewood slab. Um, so rosewood slab, do you mean like a slab of rosewood, a piece of rosewood, or are you talking about like a, a rosewood neck like that um, to treat it? Uh, well, rosewood in general, uh, you could use, I mean, you could use, I don't know. I just use fretboard conditioner. <laughs> I don't. Here's where it gets tricky. Okay, so so this is where it gets a little it gets a little tricky. You can use uh, all kinds of oils. There's linseed oils and stuff like that. But you understand everything that you do. That's there's a reason why I don't suggest certain things. There's certain things that I keep in my shop, but I don't suggest you guys. Like, hey, let me give you an example. Um, there's there's uh, there's certain kinds of pure alcohol, like ethanol alcohol. I have to have for repair. There's uh, naphtha, which is again, not a big deal, but something to have. Um, linseed oil. 
uh, stuff like that. I have certain products that I use for guitar repair and stuff, but here's the thing. They all have inherent dangers. And I understand some of you are laughing right now because you're like, Phil, you're being a little dramatic, but you understand not everybody who watches this channel, not everybody is a tinkerer and stuff. And I never want to give any piece of information to make somebody do something that they're not fully understanding what they're doing with. So, um, so the reason I'm telling you that is that there's certain oils, believe it or not, that are known to be very flammable and very dangerous. Linseed oil is uh, a very dangerous oil. I know it sounds silly to say, but it can, it's a, uh, it can be dangerous. Shops can control. So uh, what I'm telling you is on your Rosewood slab. Um, I, the only thing I recommend is, is stuff like, like I said, the music nomad stuff, uh, and lizard spit stuff materials. I really like their stuff. If you want to uh, hydrate a Rosewood, I'm thinking you're saying slab neck. So if not, we'll clarify it. Also, that's a good time to mention this. You guys know a couple weeks ago, I did the um, Music Nomad video. I put a link down below just to go, let you guys know. It's only for the U.S. I'm sorry, guys, everybody outside the U.S. But they're doing that giveaway. It happens in like two days. So they're still doing the giveaway, of course. So if you click the link, you can win that entire thing of Music Nomad products that I used in that video. It doesn't cost anything. Just, you know. So I'm just letting you know. You can uh, do that. I thought I mentioned it. And then I put the link already down below. So you can click and, and do that. Um, Grumpy Mike. Hey, Grumpy Mike. How's it going, man? Says, I, am I the only one who's going to spin my government relief check on gear? LOL. Um, I have not. I uh, so, so, so we all understand uh, the terms. And I want to keep this as much guitar related as possible. But the terms are social. Was it social distancing? Right. Social distancing for someone who probably goes to to out in the world every day you know like uh into to a job social distancing probably means staying home <laughs> okay um i work from home <laughs> so social distancing for me is actually distancing myself distancing distancing myself from social media so the reason i say that is i know i heard a rumbling somewhere about some kind of checks or doing something uh, but I haven't been paying attention. I've been purposely not trying to to learn to do to to learn or or know anything about what's going on, other than the safety concerns that are directly res related to my family and my and my and my needs, the needs I needed to pay attention to. And the reason is is because, um, you know, I I'm because uh, I think I work in a social media environment like doing YouTube and stuff. I realize how you can really mentally hurt yourself by just intaking that stuff hourly so that's what i'm telling you so uh so there you go uh so and i'm, I'm caution all of you the same thing like i said i'm glad there's 727 of you watching this right now because again i'm i, I want to do these live shows what i'm trying to do i sh i said my i told my wife i wouldn't say this to you guys and now i'm saying to my goal starting tomorrow is to start putting out content every day i have even the content that I've, I have a ton of content that I've done in the past that I just didn't think was to the grade of good enough. I'm going to actually mark that. You'll see the videos. They'll say for, you know, this is a video that wasn't meant to go to the to public uh, for whatever reason. Maybe I don't like the audio. Maybe I don't like it. Um, I'm going to put those out. I'm going to be putting out some new content, of course, and I'm going to be doing at least another live show a week. The reason is, is because I, one, because I'm like everybody, I'm trapped in my house. <laughs> and two, I, I really want to, you know, for those of you who are interested in this, I would really like to make as much content about uh, 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 anything other than what we're, we got to just watch on the news. Um, that's that being said as well, too. I want to also point out that I won't be doing, um, any uh 
type of real high-end guitar reviews for a little while or high-end amp reviews. I'm not saying none because I'm actually doing a review tomorrow that's a guitar that's going to be the Yvette uh, Young guitar, but that guitar doesn't come out until July. So it's really why I wanted that video. It's really cool. It's going to show you guys the guitar, but of course, you know, it's it's something that's not out yet. The, the point I'm trying to make is I'm going to do a lot more repair videos and a lot of uh, uh, videos about uh, little cool things you can do. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, so that way when we're watching this stuff, maybe if it's, if I can inspire you guys to make, maybe do a modification to one of your instruments and buy something a little less expensive, but get it online, get it at the house and do something. I, I just want to keep focused on that stuff. I want to focus on what we can do. And so you guys know, uh, when I was talking about last weekend about work projects and how sure you have projects, I've been doing guitar projects this week for sure, but I also have been doing home projects. Um, I'm trying to teach myself how to, uh, how to work on some drywall, do some drywall work, uh, which is, uh, it's boring, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's fun, I guess. I don't know. It's fun. I hope I get it done. Um, all right. So let me go back to the, uh, let me go back to questions. Uh, Max shade seven says, can an acoustic develop dark spots underneath the finish due to over humidification? Do they ruin the guitar? That's an interesting question. Um, and the, uh, the problem I have is, like I said, I, my entire life of guitar experience is in the state of Arizona and it's dry here. So it's very hard for me to, uh, to, it's very hard here to over humidify an instrument. It is very hard. And, but I have heard many stories and I've traveled a lot and seen many cases where people have over humidified instruments. Um, so is it possible? Yes, of course. So, you know, one of the things that's uh, very interesting, uh, and this is a, a, just something that maybe can help you guys. When I did the, um, um, music nomad video and, and I hydrated the fretboard, um, I mentioned in that video that I wipe off all the excess oil off the fretboard. Um, where sometimes in hindsight, it would have been better if I would have said why I didn't say why I just, I was just instructing like, Hey, here's how I put it on. Here's how, how long I wait. And then here's how I remove it. Somebody had mentioned in the comments on that, that they have a Paul Reed Smith guitar and that the finish on the sides of the neck started peeling away from the fretboard. Um, and that is because they did not remove the excess oil from the, the fretboard, which is why I said to remove excess fretboard or excess oil from fretboard. So again, I didn't say why I just said to do it. Uh, now I'm explaining the why. Um, so what I'm saying is, is yes, you have to, you do have to be concerned about over oiling or over hydrating instruments as well. It's possible because, because the wood will move and the finish will not. And so, yes, uh, it's possible to get, uh, things underneath finishes. I've seen all, I mean, is it likely? No, it's not likely, but it can it be possible. You're asking, can dark spots develop? They can't have, is it likely? It's not likely. Um, so, so again, this is why it's important that you, um, not only pay attention to recommendations of how much communication you should be doing by the manufacturer, but also be in tune with your environment. You know what I mean? Someone in Florida should not be doing the same uh, regimen to their guitars as someone in Arizona. That's just very clear about that. So uh, let's go back. I, again, appreciate all the super chats, but I want to go back and forth and grab... Um, Ah, Grime Dixie says, I've been a drywall finisher for 30 years. Ask me. Yeah, uh, it's not, it's not, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's messy. <laughs> it's a lot of sanding and 
just mess. It's just mess is what it is. Actually, so when I say drywall, maybe I'm texturing. And that's where I'm having trouble is uh, uh, the texture on my walls are that is spray texture. So I'm using the spray can texture. So when I say I'm working on it, what I did is I bought a test, a couple of test pieces of drywall uh, from the Home Depot and uh, I'm outside uh, spraying. We're spraying uh, the the spray texture on there to try to get it right. Um, because what I'm doing is um, the prior owners of my house uh, did this weird thing. They cut a vent into uh, the house that doesn't make sense. They try to make a return. It doesn't make sense. It's just above a doorway. And so I'm going to seal that. And so sealing, it's not the problem. It's the, I got to spray the texture. So I'm trying to learn the technique. So that's why I said it's been hard. I'm trying to learn how to fade the technique in. And um, I was actually going to have it done. And then, of course, the world ended and this all happened. And then I'm like, well, I now have free time to do this because I can't go outside, apparently. So, well, you can go outside. You just can't go anywhere. So, all right. This is the weirdest live show ever. <laughs> For me, at least. Um, okay. Uh, ah, Brent, great question. Um, let me take a drink of water. Um, and, uh, let me get your question, Brent. He says, what does it mean when a guitar neck is made from select hardwood? I don't know if that's real or not. I'm sure somebody, I, you know, what I love about this, uh, having this community is being, being someone who works on guitars is different than being a wood expert. And, uh, there are wood experts that watch the show. Cause I, I have a friend who's a cabinet maker and he's definitely far a thousand times more, more, uh, you know, knows more about the wood and wood selection than I do. Um, what I can tell you, I don't know if it means anything. So that's why I'm, I'm actually, answer, I wanted to read the question out because I'm hoping somebody will post something and let us know. I don't know what select hardwood means. Um, a lot of times that stuff just means like, you know, like swamp ash is not really a thing, right? There's ash. They just call it swamp ash because it comes from a swamp, but there's no thing called swamp ash. So there's, there's, ter there's terms like that, you know, 10 tops on PRS is again, it's a slang term that they say, oh, they picked out a nice top, but it's not like a graded piece of wood, like AAA or, you know, um, so, uh, so I don't know if select hardwood means it's actually like they bought from a, a wood supplier and it's from this, are they selected the, you know, hardwood pieces? So I don't know. Um, the trick is that there's a lot of stuff used that's basically marketing terminology. I have learned in the last two weeks, maybe the longer, three weeks of doing these pickup videos, uh, that is what I'm learning the most is that pickup marketing is what's causing a lot of confusion in pickups. Because when you really get down to the core of pickups, you realize that it's really not that complicated to understand how everything's working. It's just the marketing is actually what's making it tricky. Um, and uh, we'll be getting in that soon. A lot of interesting pickup videos coming in the pickup uh, series videos. I'm, I'm very, very, uh, very excited about that. Um, hello, Dr. Jekyll says, hey, Phil, when will Ralph be on the show again? Again, to get Ralph on the show, he's got to be on a Saturday. And I've been just not doing the Saturday ones. Uh, if, you know, cause usually I try, they usually try to, ha they usually happen on accident cause I can't make a Friday show. So we do a Saturday show, but that's not been the case for a while. So maybe I'll just have to make it happen. You know what I mean? Uh, since it used to accidentally happen, we'll just make it purposefully happen this time. Um, okay. Uh, let's do one more quick question. If you guys got one. Uh, 
Uh, Lee Lindbergh says select spruce means laminated. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> okay. Let me go. I got some super chats. So let me hit those two as well. I appreciate you guys doing those. And I appreciate you guys waiting when I, so I can, I can try and get as many questions done as possible. So we can all just talk about this stuff. Um, Okay, BJT says, I received all my guitars shipped in tune, but I hear now that it's really bad to ship guitars in tune. Is it why all brands send them that way? Okay, so I did the, uh, the I don't know, whatever, the 10 myths or five myths that people think are true about guitars. And that was one of those myths. I, I, I would never say debunked, but it was obviously something that I felt like I did enough research to where I put the information out. I, I stand behind it still, which is really important because it's been a year old video now. Um, so to answer the question, uh, when I interviewed companies, corporations, and guitar manufacturers, uh, the majority of them, non-acoustic, acoustics were the exceptions, okay? Not all acoustics, but some acoustics were exceptions. All electric guitars, the manufacturers said they shipped them in tune. What I will tell you is, is that there's some reasons why you probably would not want to ship a guitar in tune. However, you have to understand the guitars are designed to take more tension than the strings can can give. And so a lot of people argue like, hey, having the string tension and shipping, the necks could break and the headstock could break. Sure, but it's really tough for a lot of guitars. There's always exceptions to the rule. But to, to, to get to the core of your question is uh, the reason you receive your guitars in tune is because most companies are shipping guitars in tune. That is, that is a fact. I interviewed them, I asked them, there was just one, I mean, like I said, it was one after another. It was like, yes, they shipped them in tune. Um, and so, you know, it was very common also when I asked the questions that the people, even if they were the owners or the managers of the company, they didn't know the answer. So they actually had to go to their shipping departments or their QA departments and QA would tune the guitars up. It makes perfect sense. The guitar gets manufactured, goes to quality assurance, quality assurance tunes it up, you know, or actually gets tested. It gets tuned up and tested. Then quality assurance double checks it. They don't un, they don't detune it before it goes back to shipping and then shipping, you know, ships it out the way it gets. So, um, so basically it's, it's left the way it is. Um, but the answer, but the, the second part of your question is why all the brands in that way. Um, it's because th they don't notice any issues, uh, having to detune guitars or ship guitars. In other words, think about this. This is probably the best way to put this. The manufacturers are shipping the guitars in tune and they're not seeing a, a, a percentage of damage that, that makes them concerned with doing it that way. That's really what it is. Trust me, if they were shipping guitars and those guitars were coming back damaged. They would adjust that. That's why they're doing it the way they do it because they're not seeing issues. So there you go. BK says, I know you give away guitars for charity. I try sometimes. Yep. Is it possible to give away parts to charity, bodies, next pickups? So here's my thing. And I've said this many times. And again, there's always, please don't tell me uh, what you guys think you think you might know. If somebody knows for no for sure, please reach out and tell me. Because um, otherwise you're just creating more wild goose chases for me. My shirt's like lopsided. There it is. Better. Um, so uh, charities are very hard to give guitars to. I've said this many, many times. Um, charities at this day and age, just like food drives, they don't want food anymore. They want money. You know, I, I've tried to give charities money. I mean, I've tried to give charities guitars, and for the most part, they want money. So, um, so a lot of times I've just given them money. In fact, I've actually, to be honest with you, I'm getting more and more where I just give the charities money instead of guitars. And it's, it, 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 it's, and I've actually sold guitars and then had to take the money and give the guitars uh, to charity. That's what happened actually in my most recent endeavor with, um, 
with uh, Guitars for Vets, what happened was uh, I wanted, I arranged a situation where a company would give them uh, some guitars, 10 guitars. And Guitars for Vets let me know that they would, they would take the guitars and then they would sell them and then take the money. And when I started doing the math, I was like, well, you know, the guitars are only going to fetch half of what their value is. And so I was better off just donating the money. So the company that was going to donate guitars donated money and I gave the money to the Guitars for Vets. So um, because because Guitars for Vets has this policy, they give guitars, uh, Yamaha guitars to the vets. So um, so uh, at least that's what the, uh, my understanding is. So my point to this is, uh, you know, can can you give parts? Sure, you can give anything to charity. The problem is, is you're going to notice that a lot of charities, especially the more legitimate charities, charities, which I even feel weird saying it like that because who knows really if either one are are more legitimate than the others. But my point is, it's very hard to give guitars to charity. That's what basically what I'm what I'm saying. If you guys know exceptions to that, I would love to do that because majority of the guitars, if you watch the channel, if you look, the majority of guitars that I've actually physically given guitars away to are not legitimate charities. Where um, so that's not a big deal, except for the fact that I'm giving the guitars away. But uh, it's just you know, at, at this point, I can just randomly pick people. You know, like Ryan at Six Cycle Hum did a thing where he gave a kid in in front of a parking lot of a guitar center, he gave a guitar. It's kind of cool. I can just so actually, I've done the same thing recently too. I just give him guitars to people I I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not even friends, just people I'm aware of. Maybe they'll want this because um because again, at least I know they'll enjoy the thing. Um and um and uh, uh and and it's not official charity anyways. You know, the whole point is the only reason I you want to use official charities, in my opinion, is then you you feel like you have some kind of I don't want to say guarantee, but uh, for lack of a better word, guarantee that you know it's going to the right type of person versus randomly given to people. So this has been a problem. Again, if you guys have comments, uh, if you guys have experience where you know, like I even tried guitars in the classroom, and that was hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Again, you can give them money, but giving people guitars is tricky. So, but if you guys want to donate guitars, if you want to donate guitars physically and you don't care about tax credits and stuff like that, which is what I've been just, you know, I've just, I just don't use the tax credits anymore. Um, cause I, you, again, you can't find legitimate charities that will take the guitars. Um, I can probably tell you a ton of people that can use guitars. There's all kinds of teachers out there and people are doing programs and there's viewers out there that are doing stuff. And, um, uh, you know, so that's what I've been doing. Like, if you notice when I did the, uh, uh, the glary video, I gave it to a, a guy running an after school program at his church. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's just, that's just, you know, at this point, that's, I, I figured it was easy. At least they'll take the instruments. And that's the whole thing of this is, is when you're reviewing guitars, obviously sometimes it's like with the glary guitars and stuff like that. Sometimes it's not worth it, uh, to take the, send the guitars back. In glary's case, the issue was, I just didn't want to do, uh, any product reviews for a company, uh, unless they were willing to do something for the community. I didn't want to help them. Um, no particular reason. I just kind of felt like if they wanted the, they were going to get, they were going to get thousands of dollars of sales out of a video if I made it. And I thought the community should benefit from it. That's where my attitude about that is. So, uh, Williams Bruce says, call me Bill. <laughs> okay. Bill, <laughs> Bill says pink guitars. Yes or no? Well, of course. Yes. Of course, pink guitars. Yes. Um, I don't own a pink guitar. Isn't that funny? I try. I try to, I had a pink one for a while and I stopped playing it. I love pink guitars. It's a, yeah. Uh, Chuck M music says, Hey, Phil, love the pickup videos. Thank you. Uh, thanks for inspiration to work on my guitar. Uh, 
it's it's cathartic and enjoyable. Hey, look at that. Um, so yeah, and I'm glad you like the pickup videos. Like I said, I'm really excited about them. Uh, the um, the uh, the Somnium uh, Impossible Guitar is uh, is hopefully what what I'm going to do next. Hopefully, is really exciting. Um, uh, we had a discussion. It was here on this, on this live show. We had a discussion on the live show about treble bleeds and whether or not they're good or bad or you should use them. And now it is already done. So it's, it's gone. I can already tell you, uh, the, uh, the impossible guitar has now been modified so I can, uh, so it has a treble bleed on the volume pot that I can bypass or, or uh, have. So when I do a pickup review, I can show you how a treble bleed affects or doesn't affect the pickup. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, right? I'm I'm super excited about this, um, and I learned a lot just by messing with that. I was uh, something I wanted to. Uh, that's the whole point of this stuff, as these uh, live talks is when somebody's asking me something. I, I like to defer to my experience more so than my opinion, and more so than than uh, an educated response. In other words, you know, I don't want to calculate a response. I want to be able to say, yes, I've done this. This is what happened to me. I feel like not because that's any has any more merit. It just seems like an easier thing to tell people like, um, you know, this is my personal experience and I'm not saying you'll have the same experience. I'm just saying that was mine and and it was real. And so with these uh, videos and these, this guitar, that's what I'm trying to do is I'm not trying to tell you guys how pickups work by, you know, just explaining it to you. I'm trying to show you guys how everything works, um, by physically doing it and not explaining it. So. So thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate it. Uh, Tony Goyburn's here. Thanks, Tony. How's it going? Uh, so, so thank you so much for the super chat. You guys are awesome. Uh, all of you guys, again, everybody, um, su super, super crazy. Uh, you guys, uh, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard road for the next couple weeks, uh, next couple months. And I'm glad that, um, we can come meet together every Friday and, and at least talking, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to do, I hope you guys like it. We're going to do Wednesdays as well. I think I'm going to do Wednesdays at three. We'll see. It's not official yet. And if and maybe I should do a different time to help out different uh, people in different time zones. Love your suggestions on that. Uh, Tony says, uh, Phil, why do you think uh, we are seeing so many seemingly new bodies being sold separately with their necks removed? Uh, I've not seen this as uh, prevalent before on reverb and eBay. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not totally aware what you're, what you're seeing, uh, but I can tell you what I've seen in the past. Obviously, there's uh, companies like Stratosphere, and and maybe you have duplicate companies now. So the company Stratosphere became very very popular by basically doing what car you know car I don't want to say car dealers, but car car parts guys did forever. They buy a car and then they strip it down to parts because the parts were worth uh, more than the vehicle, uh, and that's what they're doing. They're taking and they're buying guitars because they know that like Fender won't sell us a an Eric Johnson body, but they can take apart the Eric Johnson guitar. The pickups were good, top dollar. The body gets top dollar. The neck gets top dollar. Um, so, uh, one theory I could give you right off the bat is obviously there's other companies doing that. You could have fakes out there now. So you have to be aware of that guys. That's why please pay attention to your sellers, um, because they could be buying parts off of, uh, uh, imports. There could just be import parts because you're not specifically saying what brands uh, the bodies are. But the other thing is, is I would imagine that, uh, most people are trying to put a new neck on a guitar body. 
So what I'm getting at is if you, if I would imagine, and again, I don't know after I just told you guys to try to lean on experience and not give guesses, I'm going to give a guess because <laughs> nothing like contradicting yourself in under five minutes. Um, so anyways, uh, I would imagine that if you took a hundred guitars apart, you had a hundred bodies and a hundred necks at the end of, uh, 90 days, you would have sold 70 necks and 50 bodies. Does that make sense as a ratio of, of logic? So I would imagine there are always going to be more people looking for a neck than a body. So that's just my guess because most people want to swap a neck when they're unhappy. Most people are not trying to swap a body unless they're trying to swap it for a paint job and they'll get the body painted. But for instance, what I'm trying to say is, is that if you have a guitar and you don't like the neck, you're going to swap the neck. If you have a guitar and you don't like the way the body looks, sometimes you just, you know, don't you paint it. You don't have to actually swap the body. And most of the bodies are the same. You know what I mean? Colors and stuff. So just an interesting guess. I, that would be my guess. But I'm really curious. Maybe we'll be on something too. There's always something up <laughs> out there. Um, let me grab, since there's still quite a few of you stuff. Um, Uh, Jose says, why don't uh, you sell those guitars uh, then give to charity? Well, I do sell guitars too as well. So so here's what happens, uh, Jose. Um, it's really about, uh, I try to do, I'm trying to think of how to put this. I'm going to tell you something and, and, and Jose, and I, uh, please understand what I'm trying to say. When somebody tells you, this is just my opinion. When somebody tells you, if I was a millionaire, I would donate money to charity. Or if I was a, when they, when, you know, how somebody says, oh, if I was a billionaire like that billionaire, I would do things for people. What I've learned is, is that broke people do things for people. You know what I mean? Um, you don't have to have money to help people. So, when, so you, so what happens is, is charity is something that you have in your heart. You do regardless of how much money you make, regardless of how your condition is. However, if you are a type of person that is, let's say, not you don't have extra cash to give, and so you're 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 where charity is maybe, um, uh, you know, helping you know people, you know, I mean, physically giving your time, and 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 another perfect example is, you know, it doesn't take much. I've seen guys walk down the street, guys who make minimum wage, literally buy a hot dog and hand it to a homeless person because it was a dollar fifty for a hot dog, and and they have a dollar fifty to give, and they gave it, and they didn't have to be rich to help somebody. And so the reason I tell you that story is because, um, what I've learned is, is that, um, is that charity is something that, like I said, it's in your heart that you do, and it doesn't matter how much money you make. However, what I'm saying is, is that somebody doesn't give charity ever. I don't care if they don't make a lot of money, if they make no money, they don't do any charity ever when they're a millionaire. That's the millionaire who never does charity either. You do what you do, no matter what your situation is. Okay. You'll do more if you have more and you'll do less if you have less, but you will either do or you will not do. And so the reason I tell you that is when I give the charity, I, I hate saying this. And I'm really, like I said, I, sometimes I say this a lot on the show. I hate saying this because again, I'm just giving information to a, a bunch of strangers and, and some friends. But if you see me giving a charity, it's probably because I'm having a good month. Maybe I just feel like I'm just a little more blessed today than I was yesterday. Something happens. Maybe I don't need another blah, blah, blah. Maybe my kids are doing okay that week. And so uh, that's why sometimes I'll donate a guitar. And then sometimes I'm not having a great week or a great month, or maybe things aren't going great. Or maybe that my yard did have to get dig dug up. <laughs> 
and I had to give the plumber $3,000. So maybe that month, a guitar that normally I would donate to a kid, I go, okay, I'm selling that and I'm funding my hole in the front yard. You know what I mean? Or, or, you know what I mean? So there's different reasons why I do what I do, but basically that's why when I try to give, I try to give back to the community, uh, into some way or some, but also because I have kids and, and, uh, what I have learned is you cannot tell your kids anything. Um, and everybody's gonna have a different opinion about that. Of course, raise your kids the way you see fit. I can only tell you how I, again, my experience, here's my experience. You can't tell your kids anything. They just see, and they learn, they see who you are, they know who you are and they learn who you are. And then hopefully that has an effect on them. So I try to be, I try, and I'm a horrible failure at it by, any, by every means, uh, in my personal opinion, but I try to be the person that I think my kid, I want my kids to be, um, and I'm not close to that person, but that's how this works is I try to strive for that. And, uh, so this gets a little weird and preachy, but that's why I tell you about the, the charity thing. So, so that's why the, some guitars go to charity and some guitars don't. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so let's go back. Let's go back, get back on the guitar wave again. So here's one, uh, voodoo fist says when I tune my guitar with a tuner, all the open strings are perfectly in key. But when I tune using the 12th fret, three of the strings are sharp. Okay. Is that the intonation? Is that an intonation issue? Do you have a video for that chance by any chance? That would be technically the intonation issue. If you're saying when you're tuning your guitar, if you tune your guitar open strings and all six strings are in tune, and then you check them at the 12th fret, which is what I'm assuming you're basically getting at, and you have three strings are sharp, you essentially are, yes, you have three strings that are not intonated correctly. I do have a video for that uh, on how to do intonation, and it's pretty straightforward. It's a very basic video because it's, again, for someone like you're in your situation exactly, someone who's just looking for where to start on that. I'll put a link when I index the video. If not, you can just search it. Just look up Phil McKnight intonation and the video will come up. That'll give you where to start and do the reference. And it's a pretty straightforward process. I explained in that video. It's like three minutes long. That's why I did it. So you can do that way and then just go down the road. Uh, intonation, I can give you the best advice. It is not hard. It's not impossible. You do not have to be skilled to do it. You just have to be patient and you have to be patient. And that's because half the time when I hear somebody saying, oh, it's not working, oh, it's not doing this, I want you to understand two things. One, there is, is more likely that it is you doing something wrong on setting the intonation than the guitar. So when somebody says, oh, this guitar will not intonate, it, Phil, you don't understand, this bridge will not intonate. I, I, I can't tell you every time. I feel like 90% seems like a very fair number to give to you guys. So 90% of the people that tell me, bring me an instrument and says this, this instrument will not intonate, 90% of the time, I make adjustments and it's intonated because of patience. You know what I mean? That's what it is. Half the time it has nothing to do with a skill set, a better ear. It just, it takes time. It just adjust, adjust, doesn't work. Come back, adjust, just follow the rules of, of what I show you in that video. Um, and so uh, patience and uh, you can do it. Anybody can intonate their instrument. Um, Let's see. Uh, 94 Dodge, dude. Hey, what's up, 94 Dodge, dude? Uh, does it matter which side of the pot you solder to? Yes, of course. No. Um, the the question is, uh, here's where I want you to understand, because you're probably looking at a potentiometer. Your round potentiometer has three prongs sticking out like that. Where you can see it. And, and it, you understand that one is a start and one is an end, right? 
And so basically what happens is you want to make sure if you're, you're what lug, I should say lugs, uh, the posts, posts work too. Um, three posts, one post will have to be grounded to the pot. If it's a volume pot, that is that, the reason I'm telling you that is that has to be done correctly. But otherwise, if you're soldering uh, uh, ground wires to a potentiometer, it does not matter where on the potentiometer it is. Um, other than that, it can't be touching any of those uh, uh, of those three prongs or law uh, lugs. So I don't know. What do you guys call them? Prongs or lugs? What do you call them? You know, what, you know, what's funny about this. I'll tell you an interesting uh, side little thing about repair versus doing the YouTube gig that has been interesting for me in the last couple of years. I have done repairs over and over and over and over again for years and never known or cared what terms were used for certain pieces because I would I wasn't telling anybody anything. And so now all of a sudden when I started teaching people, I go, oh, this is a thing. And they go, that's what it's called. It's called this. And I'm like, you know, it's funny. I'm like, I never really thought about what certain things are called, like lugs or tabs or, or you know what I mean? Because you would just, you know, you didn't need to know what they were called. So solder lugs. Everybody likes solder lugs. There you go. See? And see, what's funny is, and just so you guys know, L, uh, Lawrence said solder lugs. So I'll go with Lawrence and BB Ninja. Um, nope. Sorry. Black Showman said solder lugs as well. Um What's funny is somebody will still say it's wrong. That's what's great about it. But uh, but if we can get the majority to agree, we'll be okay. Uh, guitar fact. Uh, guitar fact. Guitar fact. He's guitar hack. Hey, guitar. Guitar hack could be guitar fact. Guitar hack says, uh, Phil, what's your thoughts on the HSFX? Uh, HXFX. Um, I haven't tried one. I saw one at the NAM show. Uh, and um, I was uh, in trying to to chat up the line six guys about checking one out because i'm really curious because it's for me it's the it makes sense for me um the the uh the uh, helix lt lt which i've been using for the last year uh is is cool i i definitely have decided i want the hx stomp over the helix lt that is for sure um because of the fact that for practicality purposes of size and usage i really need one or two amps to be modeled when i need an amp the the uh the unit seems uh useful for me for videos so i want a helix uh uh, uh stomp for videos in fact the helix lt as a guitar player just aside from my youtube gig all this stuff me personally i have no use for the helix uh unit at all um i plug in an amp i'm very happy with the amp i'm very happy with an amp and one overdrive pedal Literally, I, I feel no need to go past that, or in some cases, just the amp itself, no pedal. Um, but the Helix units are so practical for so many damn reasons. They're great. So uh, I think the Helix stomp is for me. But that being said, me personal, practical me again, Helix effects, the HX effects, I'm sorry, HX effects, it looks like it's amazing for me. I mean, it looks like everything I want. I want, um, because I've said this before, I don't use a whole lot of stomp boxes other than overdrives. And I would love to have all my effects in one unit again. I used to love my uh, Line 6 M9. I, I regret getting rid of it. I got rid of it. I had the H5. Uh, M, sorry, M5. I got. I had the M5 and the M9. And then I talked myself like, you know, you just do this stuff. It's dumb. I talked myself into the, I don't need the M9. It does all this stuff. I just need the M5. And I switched to the M5. And then I kind of regretted it later because the M9 would be more practical for me. So I would love to get the HX effects. Uh, it will definitely be on my radar. Like I said, I thought, because um, I said I talked to the Line 6 guys at Summer NAM, maybe it would be possible to get it on the channel and review it. That's the main reason of that is sometimes it's cool is because I get to check it out. 
You know what I mean? And then see if it's something I really want to buy before I buy it. That's really nice. And we get to share it. But I think in this case, I think I'm just going to have to purchase it because it's something I'm very interested in. So, yeah. So, uh, uh, bent, bent Rosam says M13 question mark. I had the M13 first, same thing. Went down the road M13. Then I went to the M9 then went to H, uh, M5. Uh, love all three. Uh, M13 is fantastic. It's just huge. <laughs> That's it. It was a size thing. Um, because it's, uh, and in the bedroom, you know, just sitting around the M13 is fantastic. And I guess if you're on stage and that was the only thing you're using, it's great. But a lot of times when I'm using these effects, I'm using them on a pedal board with other pedals and the M13 was just too big. So, but I love the M13. I, I think they're uh, classic products. Uh, seriously, some of the best underrated products out there on the market. Um, M9, M13, and M, M5s. Very, very, very fantastic. Still stand by them to this day. Some of those, some of those choruses and delays and effects are some of the best effects out there. Um, you know, some of the really hardcore connoisseurs of effects are going to go like, no way, strive and blows away. But see, here's the thing. Like I said, you got to be a connoisseur of something. Um, I'm not a huge connoisseur of effects. You know what I mean? Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, in other words, I couldn't tell you, like if you, if you asked me to tell you the difference between a Strymon course and a boss course by listening to it, I wouldn't be able to, to even get you in the same ballpark. It would be just random guessing. So, um, so I actually like the, the line six and I think a line six does good effects. Um, there you go. All right. Um, the, Jordan, <laughs> Jordan, uh, what a cool name, man. Jordan says, uh, can I make a, uh, a, uh, three ply pick guard myself? Absolutely. Um, you can actually, uh, not only can you make it cause you can get raw pick guard material. I have raw square material. I will make back pick guards. I will make back plates. I will make certain pick guards myself, certain ones. Um, they are pretty straightforward, very easy. You, uh, I bought the bit. You can buy a bit, uh, uh a routing bit from Stu Mac. Um, there's probably other places to get it too, but I got mine from Stumac years ago and I dare say dummy proof. It's got a little roller wheel on it. And it just literally just, I just run the thing and run the, the thing to make the, the pick guard. Um, but what I can tell you is I hate making pick guards because they make a lot of mess. <laughs> they, they do. They're very, they make a lot of mess and they're sticky. Uh, they get staticky. All the little pieces of plastic get staticky. Um, and, uh, but that's it. You know what I mean? It's just, and the reason I say it's, it's when I say make a mess, I mean, I feel like cleaning it up is takes longer than making the pick guard. Stuff like that doesn't do well with me mentally wise. When I have to spend more time cleaning up something than I did doing it, it kind of bums me out. I feel like, you know, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> maybe I should just get over it. <laughs> so when I say stuff out loud like that, I go, ah, I just need to suck it up. All right. Um, okay. Uh, all right. What else do we got? And I think we're at the, the threshold. I think we're at the thing. Let me go ahead and, and grab a couple of quick more questions and we'll call it a day. Ross Johnson says, looking at buying a five string, I have many four strings. What's the difference and value between the Fender Mexican Active uh, five string and the new Ultra Jazz five? Uh, any other options I should consider? Um, well, first, Ross, I want to tell you, I'm a little biased. I used to play a five string uh, Jazz Deluxe for many years. Um, I liked it okay. What I will tell you is, for some reason, I don't think Fender's ever done amazing five-string basses, and I think a lot of bass players feel that way. Um, nothing wrong with them, and both the choices you uh, you suggested are very good instruments. Um, but I would definitely, 
if before if you haven't played them, you obviously have many four strings, so you play bass. Before you buy a five string Fender bass, definitely put some hands on some of the alternatives like Music Man and uh, which would be the Sterling stuff as well. Maybe Ibanez, but definitely Schecter five strings, stuff like that. Um, there's a ton of really good brands of five strings out there. Um, and I'm not saying again, the Fender ones are bad. Uh, just, just, I think there's better options for the price point in the five string range and you should check them out. So, um, but of those two, I like the ultra jazz, if that helps. There you go. Uh, William D Bill, I mean, Bill says I bought a t-shirt and a coffee mug working from home. The mug will get used every day. Telecaster or Stratocaster. Call me Bill. Ha ha. I did. I called you Bill. Uh, Telecaster or Stratocaster. Um, okay. So first, thank you so much for getting the shirt and the mug. I have the shirt and the mug too. I know this is going to sound dumb, but the mug, the mug, um, I bought and I forgot about it and it was in the, in the cabinet with all the coffee mugs. And last week when I used it on the show, it's cause I've been using different mugs on the show. And then I saw this and I forgot, I bought one when I first started selling these like a year ago. And I'm like, why don't I use that? It's my mug. Um, so thank you so much for getting the mug and shirt. I appreciate that guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you, Bill. Um, and, uh, but the question, uh, the question at hand is Telecaster or Stratocaster, this question should be so easy, and here's what it is. I'm going to give you the answer. It's Stratocaster for now. I am slowly turning into a Telecaster guy. It is slowly happening. It's creeping over me. Um, it's a weird thing. Um, I have been a Stratocaster guy forever. I can tell you for a huge part of my life when I, uh, you know, I never even owned any kind of Telecaster guitars. And if you notice lately, if you look at me over the last couple of years, just look, it makes sense. The GNLs, right? They're both Tele shapes. Uh, the, um, the Halo guitar that I had custom made. Yeah, it was a Strat shape, but I basically had them build me a Tele kind of format. Um, the, uh, the Somnium guitar, I went with the Tele shape on that guitar. I'm trying to think what else. Obviously, I have my Telecaster right there, my Fender Telecaster. Um, there's a couple other situations like that, too. I seem to be really kind of moving to Telecaster, and there's you see something about that. I don't know what it is. And I think it's because, you know, my whole life I've been playing, well, not my whole life, but, you know, my whole life playing guitar, I've been playing Strat style, Strat guitars or Strat style guitars. And then slowly I was like, in my head, it was always like a Gibson style guitar, you know, humbuckers or Strat. And then slowly... I kind of been finding myself with the tellies like the perfect in the middle instrument. So I'm not saying I'm never going to stop playing strats, but I'm definitely becoming a telly person. So, and I mean, I see it more and more. And to the point now, when even I'm looking at new guitars, I'm looking at telly style instruments. So, and, and every time a company and I are talking about doing any kind of custom build or anything, it's always a telly style kind of instrument being brought back up again. It's really strange. So even my Framus is a telly kind of vibe to it. So uh, Andrew says, Andrew Mosley says, I don't get tellies. I wouldn't want one for free. You know, that's the point, Andrew. I could say the same thing. You know, to me, tellies forever with this glassy, bright, horrible sounding thing that looks like uh, something from a reject country band. I mean, I'm just being truthful. Like, I mean, for a, a huge section of my life, tellies were just horrible. <laughs> So I understand, Andrew. That's why I'm saying it's a very weird experience. Um, it's uh, it it, may, it you know it makes you wonder like, am I getting older? Is it an older thing? And then you see more kids playing tellies than anything else. So I'm like, well, it can't be an age thing because the kids are digging it. I think it's just a, you know, I think it's just a. 
I think it's more of a, I've been playing what I like the way something looks or feels my whole life. And now I'm thinking about, well, maybe it should just be more about the way it sounds. And this seems to sound the way I want it to. So Armando says, what about doing a headless t-shirt and mug? That's an interesting suggestion. No one's ever suggested it. It makes, makes total sense. Um, yeah, I'll ask, I'll ask my wife. She might do it. So uh, why not? So she could probably do it. She did. She did make a headless guitar for Chips and Guitars. So yeah, uh, Chips and Guitars. The Instagram uh, you saw. I wear one of the the Chips and shirt. Uh, she made them a special shirt back that says "Know Your Chips and," and it had a headless uh, Les Paul. BB <laughs> uh, Ninja says, "Is your inner Josh Smith emerging?" Uh, Josh Smith is amazing, right? Uh, probably. So. Um, huh. Here's a question. And I'm going to, I'm going to answer it because I just kind of feel like I, maybe it's, maybe it's important to do. Um, Ulrich uh, Robert says, are you afraid of COVID? And that's an interesting question. And the reason I, I want to answer it, even though it's not a guitar question is because I feel like the answer is, I don't know. And I think a lot of you feel the same way, right? I think that's where in where right now. I feel like a lot of the world, of course, depending where you live, remember we're talking, I'm talking to a global planet right now on this channel. Okay. Some of you are in places where it's bad and some of you places are, it's like nothing's even happening yet. But my point is, I think the majority of us, especially in America, don't know. That's the answer. That's the honest answer I give because that's the question. So, you know, the question, that's why I want to answer the question because I think it's, a, I think it's so important to give an honest answer. And here's the answer. I don't know if I'm afraid of it. I just don't know. I don't know. Uh, and that's what sucks. And this is, and this is, I'm hoping, I'm hoping you will come out of the other side of this thinking we overreacted. I'm hoping that's the answer. Um, so there you go. But here's what I do know. So that's what I don't know. I don't know. Here's what I do know. I do know that I've made it this far in my life. I've survived a lot. We've all survived a lot. That's why we're all watching here. And the truth is, uh, you know, be good to each other. Uh, this is the, uh, this is, I'm not trying to give you the Jerry Springer speech, but I want to do, do tell you this as a piece of advice to somebody, you know, the, the type of person you are is not who you are when things are good. The type of person you are is who you are when things are bad. So I wanted to remind everybody since I'm apparently a social media person, to remind everybody that who you are right now in, a, in, a, in an environment like this is actually who you are. So I hope you be the best person you'll be. I'm trying to be the best person I could be. And on that note, we're definitely going to end with a guitar question because I can't eat the, end the channel on that. Justin Mabe did a super chat for no reason. Thank you, Justin. By the way, Justin, your memes on your Facebook have been just making me laugh. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest with you on St. Patrick's day. I actually got, I went in the patio and me and my wife sat there and we were social distancing ourselves from the planet earth. We we're self quarantining, whatever you want to call it. I was literally getting just drinking a couple beers, uh, and, um, laughing at some of the memes you had posted. So thank you for that. Uh, obscene beard. Thank you for doing a super chat. That was really kind of you as well. Thank you guys so much for all the super chats and the support of the channel. Like I said, we won't be waiting till next Friday. There will be at least one live show before next Friday. I'm going to shoot for Wednesday. Unless you guys give me some better suggestions, it'll be at three o'clock the same time as today's. There'll be more content coming out, which is great. We need to end on a guitar question because we're a guitar channel and this is the things that we are going to talk about. Um, and 
What are we going to talk about? Somebody give me a question that involves guitars so we don't end on a non-guitar related subject. Uh, what do you guys got? Anything? Nothing? <laughs> okay, I'm scrolling. I'm trying to give somebody a shot. Here it is. Uh, maybe not. Okay, I'll get uh, you're because because you gave it to me. I'll give the question. Toxic Avenger says, "What's my favorite guitar?" So I'm going to say, you know what's what's my favorite? Maybe we should we do what's my favorite guitar every week because it maybe changes every week. Right now, uh, it's the Somnium guitar uh, for sure. In fact, in fact, as I, I'll show you, I'll show you, I'll show you my favorite guitar because I've literally been playing it all day. It is my Somnium guitar with. Utopia pickups uh, from DiMaggio. Uh, I am in love. I mean, I mean, I'm in love. <laughs> uh, I don't want to ruin it right now, but there are two sets of pickups that I have in, in from the, that uh, that I have right now. The Utopias, obviously, I just let the the uh, cat out of the bag with these. Um, these are the best Steve I pickups I've ever heard. I'm not saying I'm not a fan or a fan of other Steve I pickups. I'm just saying when I heard these these. When I, the day I, I got to hear the uh, the uh, Pia guitar, it was really sounding fantastic, and it had this sweetness to it. And these pickups definitely are the they are definitely the the heart of that guitar where it was coming from. So these are great. There's another set of pickups I have. I think I actually like them, maybe even a little bit more, but definitely as much. Uh, and uh, I don't want to tell you what they are because I want to surprise you guys with those. But uh, definitely, this is it. <laughs> this is the guitar I, I just keep playing. Uh, as you can see, um, it's just nonstop and. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll see. Slowly, it keeps overtaking more and more time from my even my core guitars. And it's the first time uh, in my uh, time on the internet where the guitar I have that I use, I have to work with all the time to make videos. And the guitar I'm using for my personal time is becoming the same guitar. So it's really interesting. So on that note, there you go. Great question. I appreciate it. We can end on guitar stuff. As always, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with me. Like I said, episode 151 is going to be next Wednesday. So we'll do it on Wednesday and there will be a Friday one. Uh, maybe I'll switch it up. Uh, maybe I can get Ralph on. Maybe that's the plan. Maybe I can do, uh, maybe we'll skip next Fridays and we'll do Wednesday and Saturday. I'll let you guys know on Wednesday if that's going to happen. So you guys are aware so we can add Ralph to the, uh, to the mix. That'd be great. Um, as always, I want to thank all of you guys so much for hanging out with me you guys um, like i said look forward to content like i said i'm got a lot of content please give suggestions for any kind of repair content quick fix stuff i'm not looking for full repair stuff don't ask me to guys refret a guitar although that's coming too but i'm talking about any quick fix uh questions you have uh maybe i can knock out that quick and keep that content coming to you guys more regular so you guys gives you little projects to inspire you hopefully you inspire i'll inspire you you guys inspire me so it Kind of works that way. Also, I want to thank so much to all the patrons that support the channel. The, the patron crew is uh, who support the uh, live show and this podcast. Literally, they are the sponsors of it. So thank you so much. Plus, of course, all you guys that super chat and you guys view, uh, you guys that watch, you guys support with the ads as well. Thank you so much. And until Wednesday, thank you for your time and uh, know your gear. <laughs>